Marketers of the world, why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. The Fractional CMO Show is sponsored by CMOX, the number one company to teach you how to attract, convert, and serve clients as an in-demand fractional CMO. Guest is previously founder and CEO of Cheshire Impact, the number one marketing automation agency in the world for 10 years, a fun-loving, great leader. He made me say this entrepreneurial genius, masterful conversationalist, podcasting guru, author of Marketing Automation Unleashed, and now the founder and CEO of Ringmaster Conversational Marketing, my friend, and a man with a beautiful name, Casey Cheshire. Casey, I'm excited to have you on. It's awesome, man. I feel like I'm talking to the cooler version of myself right now. You know, Casey, I got to say though, man, like the reason that we're on this is because you slid into my DMs. <laughs> is that what we're calling these days? I think it was like, what was it? It was like, I, I don't know, a year ago, uh, you reached out to me for me to be on your podcast and how the tables have turned. How they have. Yeah, it was a great podcast. Um, if anyone here uh, loves podcasts, what's your podcast, Casey? It's the Hardcore Marketing Show. Yeah, Hardcore Marketing Show. spelled like the Marine Corps, not the Earth Corps. Got it. Oh, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. I would say not like the core inside of one of those Ben and Jerry's liquid core ice cream pints, but I feel you. They're liquid core ice cream pints. They have those now. Yeah, it's just like caramel. It's amazing. Wow. All right. Well, excited to chat. So what we're going to talk about today is podcasting, and it's a little bit of dog fooding here, um, but you really got me to kind of commit to a podcast, and um, I really appreciate that because I think the, the opportunity with a podcast is... Um, unfair. It gives the host the ability to learn information that they otherwise wouldn't really get. They can get some really deep insider information. Um, they position themselves as the authority. It's a lot of fun. You build great relationships. Um, there's just like so many good components about it. So I want to talk about podcasts as a marketing strategy and just take it away. Like what's one, one part of a marketing strategy um, that you think everyone should be doing? And, and, and how does that relate to podcasting? Yeah, man, I think it simplifies in terms of this. Relationships are the new currency mm. these days. And maybe they always have been. Um, and it's just been hard to create those. I, that's where golfing came in, right? You, you made those relationships out on the, on the green and if you could get there. Um, but nowadays we're in different shapes and forms of quarantine and isolation or just work from home. And you can't always get out there or you maybe just don't know how to play golf. Like I know how to play mini golf. Right. And, uh, and at some point I'll learn the, the, the adult game. But really, when it comes down to it, podcasts are can be many different forms and shapes and sizes. But the kind that I love are these conversational one on one uh, interview formats. And interview might even be strong because it's more of a conversation between two smart people who want to learn more about each other, who want to talk a little shop and talk a little life as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so what do you think the biggest problem plaguing? the industry is around maybe podcasts or, or just customer relationships? Yeah, I, we're doing all these things to try to get attention of our customers, right? Uh, and so 
before I even get to even more on the podcast, there was a problem I discovered um, a couple of years back. And I, I realized I was even part of the problem is that we've stopped talking to our customers. We literally have stopped having conversations with them. Um, and back in the old days, you know, the Mad Men days, marketers were the ones, you know, in the room with the with a whole room full of customers. They get the free donuts. We're all smoking Marlboros or something. And, right. and we're asking them, right, what, what do you think? You know, here's a bourbon. What do you think about this cereal or this brand or, you know, product testing? And we're the ones reporting back to the customer and reporting back to the leadership. Hey, you know, they all hate it or they love it. Or here's here's why they're thinking. We were the voice of the customer in marketing back in the day, but somehow we abandoned that. And I don't know who we, we gave it to, but no one's really taken that. So really sales, I guess, would be the ones who who now have the most conversations with the customers. And I got to think that, you, that there is a firewall between sales and marketing in so many organizations. Yes. It's like sales knows the emotional reasons that people buy and they don't tell marketing. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, they don't really talk, right? Uh, because they're too busy in this sort of uh, Armageddon, you versus me, you know, terrible lead. I have a quota. It's called the 29th of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the communication can for sure be fixed there, but even playing the telephone game is not enough, right? Because sales has a lens that they are permanently in, which is not usually trying to understand the customer. It's usually trying to understand what will make them buy whether they want it or not. I mean, you can get sales who are just selling things just to sell things, right? So really marketing can't um, acquiesce. They can't give up that, that, that responsibility to sales or anyone. We need to be out there talking to the customers, but somehow we've gotten behind the technology. We've gotten shy. Myself included, it used to take a Red Bull to get me to have a conversation with a customer. I understand that we're, we got comfortable behind our marketing automation tools and behind all of our- Send a survey out. Yeah. yeah, send a survey. Surveys are so safe, especially if I make the questions. And they the also give us a 10% open rate and the 3% click-through rate. And then let's yeah. list is in the tens or hundreds of thousands. You're going to get no statistical significance on a survey. But you know what? Right. Just send the survey. Right. And eight people will answer it. And then you'll tell the leadership what you've learned from eight people. And it'll be wrong because it was only eight people. And then right. you look like an idiot. So that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, you know, I even realized that um, even buyer profiles and buyer persona conversations had had been neglected because we just, oh, well, they like dogs and they're 34 and we'd make up all these invisible things. But we didn't know the core of it. Like what drove you? What 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 spark flared up that said, I need this. What problem happened where you first started looking for my product, right? Yeah, right. That's a great question, but you can't ask that on a survey, right? Because the answer isn't why I started Googling it. It's like, well, what did you Google? It's always the follow-up question. So we need to have these conversations to learn the things we need to learn to be able to better serve these, these customers and these clients. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, that it's just so easy to hide and not get the right data and then feel like, I think these marketers across the world have a bingo card and they think to be successful, they have to get as many of the spots covered as possible. Like, oh, I sent out a survey. Oh, I have a Facebook ad up. Oh, I have a Google ad up. They're doing everything, but they're not doing anything great. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about here is really like zeroing in or focusing on the customer and talking to them. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a safe way to talk to your customer. And, and the best way to doing that is a podcast. I bumped into this accidentally. I started my show 
the hardcore marketing show three years ago, probably more now, but I'll just, I'll just stop at three. So I don't get any older, uh, but I started it and I just wanted to have conversations. I just wanted to learn from people and I just mm -hmm. wanted to be challenged. And I, I had been so isolated and we, we have this problem in marketing as well. Do you sell SaaS software in the, you know, in the healthcare space? Do you know anyone outside of your space? If you've been in that too long, you may not. So I just wanted to get out of the silo and start talking to different people. And I didn't even think about customers initially. I just wanted to talk to some experts, but that turned into customers. And then some people who were experts turned into customers. And I didn't even realize that would happen. So I started having these conversations with people and I was, I was modeling an after kind of a, a Joe Rogan meets Tim Ferriss approach where mm. We're just, two, we have two incredibly successful podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah. It, the ones that I enjoy listening to. And I think that's the goal too, is you want to create your own show after what you enjoy listening to and, and make it like that. Uh, yeah. and, and don't apologize to anyone. So I, I would make these long form conversations, but not just hanging out. We're not just hanging out smoking weed. We're, we're hanging out and I'm trying to learn a few things from you. And so I'm taking notes on my end and I'm trying to find out, oh, not only what makes you tick, but where did this strategy come from? And oftentimes I would ask questions that I was facing literally that day, trying to figure out who my ideal customer profile for an ABM campaign might be. I'm like, hmm, let me know. I'll talk to an expert and they can literally tell me on the air um, what they recommend. And so I was doing these kind of things, but, but not only was I learning, but eventually as I was meeting people, learning their stories and, and we were building some rapport and some relationships, some people said, hey, actually I need... Um, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I'm migrating this product to this product. I actually need exactly what your company does. Mm. And I didn't plan that at all, but they needed exactly what we did. Not like in the periphery. They wanted to migrate from Marketo to Pardot. That's what Cheshire Impact did. And it's like, wow, this is actually amazing. Like what a coincidence. Yeah, and it was a coincidence, but I decided at that point, I wanted to make it intentional. And right. so from then on, I actually sought out my ideal customer to be guest on my show. And of course, I still interviewed experts and friends and family, but I also ended up having great people on there who turned into some fantastic relationships and then turned into customers. That's fascinating. So what you're talking about is using a podcast in order to satisfy your curiosity, get the support that you need from experts in a way that kind of produces extra value for them, uh, and then also drive business. Yeah. You'll have more content than you ever know what to do with. Mm. So it, it's never a question of content anymore. Don't have enough content for marketing automation. What do I do? No, no, no. Do a podcast from one hour interview. You can repurpose that over 41 times. It's a who knows what videos, transcripts, blogs, eBooks, all sorts of things. I, I even wrote a book based on doing a year worth of podcasts. And that all oh, turned wow. into an amazing content pillar that just was perfect for helping the company sell more deals. That's awesome. And, and I think one thing that's really interesting too, uh, that you brought up to me, which I thought was just a really great position here on podcast is um, if I, if I was to reach out to someone that I want to do business with and I'd say, Hey, Casey, um, I talk for an hour. Uh, I'm going to try to sell you something. You know, the odds of you saying yes and excitingly jumping on that call are going to be near zero. Right. Right. So I have to backdoor. I have to get an introduction from a friend. I have to find stuff that we have a comp. Like I have to really kind of uh, play my cards in order to get you on that call. I still can do it. It's just a lot of work. And the difference between that and just saying like, hey, man, I got this podcast um, and I think you're really smart. Can, uh, can we book some time for you to come on? I'd love to like, have you share your story. Do you find that people say yes to that? Yeah, they always say yes. Like n everyone says no to your five-minute sales request and they'll, 
they'll say yes to that podcast interview. Now, you don't want to trick them. We're not saying like trick them into a sales call. Do have a podcast. Do learn right. from them. Um, but that's that's the great first sales call you'll ever have, the greatest, because you're going to build rapport with someone, uh, learn from them, learn their story, and then you could do business together. Yeah, incredible. And and it's like um, Joe Polish talks about this. He says to go from an unwelcomed pest to a welcomed guest. Yeah. Right, that's what we want. And an unwelcome pest is the person in my inbox today pitching me on something and then trying to sweeten the deal with his follow-up email. And, you know, it's just not good enough for me to even think of spending 30 minutes with him. But if that same guy said, Casey, will you book an hour with me on a podcast? You know, it's kind of hard to say no to that if he's got a decent audience. Uh, and even just for the backlink, you know, for us marketers, we know the value of just one backlink from a solid website, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing. What ends, uh, the benefits are all over the place. You have the relationship, you have the future business, you have so much content you never know what to do with, your network expands. Um, yeah, just there's just so much that comes from it. And it only took an hour, right? It was just a, it was just a small little, little exercise. Yeah, awesome. So let's talk about a problem that you solved here in the last six months. Let's talk about you and your business. What's a problem that you solved in the last six months? Well, you know, one of them actually involves a podcast. It's interesting. It's actually one of our clients that solved it. Um, we'll give them primarily most of the credit, but we were involved and along for the ride and, and it was exciting. Uh, this particular group didn't actually know their ideal customer. They didn't mm. know. Um, and it was an enterprise sale. And so, you know, when it's that, that's the case, there's several people involved from several different departments. And so they had right. IT, they had um, all operations and field ops and all sorts of different groups involved. Um, and so it was a little unclear exactly who the decision maker was, uh, because in different times, in different cases, the deal might come from any one of those several different groups. Um, and what they discovered by having these conversations with people, which is what we've been talking about this whole time is that actually there was a third department. It was change management that was in the middle of this whole situation. And, they were the, the central piece. They were the ones who actually had the expressed problem. They were the ones with the budget. They were the ones that, who they should go after, who they should be reaching out to, and the ones who they should be creating content for. So beforehand, they were looking at having to create content for the whole enterprise, which is impossible. Right. It's hard enough to create it for one department, but let alone that's not the department you're actually trying to close. It's just impossible. But they realized so the content becomes like kind of crappy and just oh, like jet shit. no one uses it. And it's just like, when do you try to satisfy 10 masters? You really satisfy none, right? None. Exactly. So they realized there's this other department that is our sweet spot. And they automatically were starting to learn some acronyms that they were on these, some of these interviews. Oh, there's this acronym and there's this acronym. There's this association, there's this thing. And if you know this acronym and you even just say that word, it's like a magic word that now everyone knows that you're on the same page. Like we're all in that same groove together. If you've mentioned that one word, it's, mm. it's powerful. It's like one word or one acronym or one, one thing just indicates to everyone else that you're all in the know, you know, kind of like in the marketing circles or maybe somebody drops ABM and you're like, oh yeah, right. you're all in that world or, or, totally. or direct marketing, right? You name it, that little thing. You're like, oh yeah, you're, you're hip to that, right? Totally. And they discovered it and they discovered it on accident, but by having conversations with their customers. Mm. And you don't just invite, you know, future customers, invite your current customers on the podcast. And right. what's fantastic is 
you're able to ask them questions that they're, they're not going to be trusting you enough to answer on a sales call. Things like, you know, what are your biggest challenges right now? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about X, Y, and Z? Totally. Uh, you know, uh, what's your approach? I used to ask people on the marketing show, you know, how do you feel about marketing automation? Mm-hmm. You know, and I knew they had Pardot and I had done our research. We knew they'd be a perfect customer. But I'd ask them, hey, what's your take? You know, and if they're like, well, I love this, you know, or I hate this. Or I've never gotten this to work right. Now I know some ways I can help them to follow up that call. Hey, I heard you're really having trouble with deliverability. I've got a, a teammate that's really hip on this. Let me get them to connect with your team. Let's see if we can't sort this thing out, right? It's just this beautiful follow-up. So good. Come along because you're asking those buyer persona questions in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And when I think of the language that the clients use or, or like your targets use, it's difficult to figure that out. And uh, I can go read it. I can go to Amazon and look at book reviews and see like the real words that people use. But when I just want the conversational words people use, it, it really is, you know, nearly impossible to summarize it or surmise it. And getting someone on a call who's intelligent and they just kind of off the cuff use all of the jargon for their industry or their role. And you hear the way that they talk like, man, I could never write uh, marketing material to people at finance. Because people in finance have a whole different you know, yeah. level of, uh, of jargon. And they do. they're incredible. Like hearing them talk to one another, you're like, damn, like go for it. You know, uh, Absolutely, so I, if, if I wanted to do that, I wouldn't go buy a book like, you know, um, become a CFO 101. I would just interview a couple of people, learn a couple of the words so I can kind of hang out in, in the field and, and be respected. Right. Yeah. And on those calls, I mean, there's there's such a humility that comes from having a conversation on a podcast. If I don't know that acronym, I can say, like, hey, what does that mean? Like, yeah, I'm the host of the, the marketing show, but I'm, I'll admit I'm the caveman here. You know, I'm <laughs> bringing all the smart wizards into my cave and and they're schooling me. I mean, I once had a, a Peter Fader, brilliant uh, marketing professor on my podcast for an hour and a half, he just schooled me. My brain was smoking. The, Amazing. The, the webcam was foggy by the end, right? Because I'm just like on high learning mode and he is just smoking my brain. But I can ask him dumb questions because, hey, I, what, what does that mean? Or right. how do you calculate lifetime value of a customer? How do you calculate it? Right. You know, and, and it just, you can't replace that. But yes, I, I love you. You harped on the, the actual words, the jargon, because I, I think so, so many times we just, we take a guess and we take a stab at like copywriting is a marketing class or something. And we try to put these marketing words, these marketing key phrases into our subject lines. But really we just need to repeat back to our prospects, the words they use. That's it. To look like them. Hey, well, Robert, well, you said that. Showing the conversation in the customer's mind. Yeah. That's what it is. They've heard, they're already talking about it. They're talking about it to themselves, to other people. Just join that conversation. Don't try to create a new conversation. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, don't yeah. invent one. Just join theirs. Right. And this idea that like you can't, you know, you can't create desire. All you can do is identify someone's desires and attach your product or service as the way to satisfy that desire or to achieve that desire. And like so much more different. Like It's so different than saying, oh, I want them to desire this product. No, they desire freedom or... Um, you know, beauty or power and my product or service helps them have that. Right. So I want to sell that and, and using their language there, I think is, is really helpful. Um, one other thing here is, is, is what you're talking about, Casey is, is um, curiosity. Like that's what I'm getting from you. It's, it's just like radical curiosity. And 
Uh, yeah, I've got a, a a baby boy. I have a son. He's just over a year old. And um, yeah. one day he woke up and he just said, what's this? Right? That's what he said. He just said, what's this? And like, we're like, oh, that's a painting. Uh, what's this? And then you're like, oh, that's the the mailman, the Picasso, right? And he's like, oh, okay, what's this? What's this? And like that curiosity, like, I think if we, if we foster that in ourselves, like that curiosity is what's going to help us grow and connect the dots and understand the world and not have this assumption. My son will go through the same book four times in a row before I get bored of it, you know, because he just wants to know. He's like, wait, wait, wait. I thought that was a, oh, that's an apple, but this red one's also an apple. Oh, okay. And that's a pineapple. Interesting. So he's not assuming anything. And I think if we get back to that kind of basic uh, beginner's mindset of, um, you know, what is it? What What's going on here? Like, help me understand it. Uh, you know, on Reddit, they say, explain it like I'm five. Right? Yeah. Like, simplify the stuff. Give me that information. And then I feel like, yeah, you can really jump off from that point. Curiosity is such a fascinating thing. I, you know, there's a, you know, curiosity rover on Mars, right? You know, driving all right. around and digging for rocks. And, and I, I actually would often wear a shirt that has like the schematic of the curiosity rover just to remind me. I also have like a little matchbox car. It's like of the Curiosity Rover. And I'll just sit it on my desk just to remind me like, hey, when in doubt, you know, be curious. Like instead of jumping on, you think you know why this is happening. Why do you think this is happening? Why Ask why five times as opposed to, you know, trying to detail why it's happening and be wrong each time. No, just keep asking. Why is that? And why is that? And we have exactly get back to where your son is at. We'll just say, I don't know everything. And I I'm know anything. Right? Yeah. Teach me you everything. Know, I, I had a, my daughter, actually, I remember we were at dinner one time and we were joking around and th- we said something where it was like, Ooh, we don't want that to happen. So I like knocked on the wooden table mm. and I'm, and I remember my daughter looking over at me and being like, Hmm, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. This human, you know, just knocked on a table. It's not a door. What? Right. And she asked me like, well, what's that? You know? And I thought, huh. Yeah, that's cool. You're, you're, you don't know what that is. And that would look weird to someone who doesn't know. I'm like, oh, that's not, I'm knocking on wood. It's kind of like a good luck thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool that she picked up on that enough to say, well, well, what is that? And she didn't feel like she had to be embarrassed. You know, I think that's the other thing. When we get older, we feel like we have to know everything, but they'd be embarrassed to ask what that is. And he, and even if they just explained it, now you have the answer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and to tie that all the way back to the fractional CMO role, um, I surround myself in companies that where I serve as a fractional CMO with people that are much smarter than me. Yeah. And I facilitate their genius. That's the whole goal here. It's not to know everything. Like, sure, I'm like hungry and I want to learn something new every day, but I'd rather have really intelligent people just be guided into the right direction. And, you know, that's the leadership of, of the fractional CMO. You know, I, I encountered that recently when we just did an exercise around lead grading and scoring. The idea of, hmm. you know, how active and how engaged are they? as well as, you know, um, what kind of quality are they? It's something I write about in my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, but just the idea of like lead grading and scoring, separating out their engagement from their actual quality of a lead to sales. Uh, and we went through an exercise and, and to your exact point, we didn't, I wasn't telling sales what they needed to do. I, right. I was more just being a member of the room. Okay, what leads do you want? And do you want this? Is this good? Is that bad? Is this good? Is that bad? Let's go through all these different requirements now we have an understanding of what you're looking for. And, you know, if I need to recommend something a little tweaked here and there, that's one thing. But 
to your point, I don't need to tell them. I mean, they, they know more about their ideal leads than I do. So let, right. so tell me, I'd love to learn. What are the people we're looking for? What, who are the folks that when you get on the phone, they just, they're like in love with it and they want to buy right away. I want to give you more of those people. So we all do better together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let me ask you, what excites you right now about the future? God, that's a great question, man. Um, I think, I think it's the idea of, of, okay. So we talked about podcasts, right? But yeah. what happens when everyone has one? And, and I think that, you know, common, you know, objection to podcasting might be, well, aren't there a million of them out there? Sure. Sure. But aren't there a million websites or blogs, for instance, you know, oh, everyone should blog. Aren't there a million blogs? And a lot, a lot of blog content gets read. So that is, that is a challenge. That is something to think about. But right. the idea of what if everyone has their own podcast and what if we, we fight the disconnection that happens on social media from the, the 2000s, you know, the Facebook that makes us okay being isolated, right? And grow further and further apart from each other. What if our world starts being replaced by hour-long conversations one-on-one -on -one with someone where we're not distracted, we're on a podcast. I'm not looking at my phone. I can't do, I'm, we're live, right? We're, right? we're having a conversation. We're focused on each other. And yeah, what happens if more and more, if millions and millions of people start having more one-on-one -on -one focused conversations? Like, what does that do to the planet? What does that do to learning more about each other and each other's stories and connecting yeah. and realizing we're really similar, not just our name, but you know, our families and the way we look at our futures. And like, that's really interesting to me. So I don't, from a, from a Mac perspective, perspective, I'm really excited to see what happens from all this communication, right? I, I'm not here to create podcasts. I'm here to create human connection. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to think about what happens when we all start reconnecting. It's almost like we give the middle finger to Facebook. We right. reconnect with each other with our own podcasts. And we're kind of giving our middle finger to the the, the mainstream, you know, channels who kind of controlled the conversation. Now we're like, we're having our own conversations. And what does that yeah. do? I don't know what it does, I, but I'm, I keep thinking about what it might, what it might unveil for us all. Yeah, I think it, 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 it is certainly like, you don't show up to a podcast and not be focused and kind of like on your best behavior, right? You're like, you're like giving right. your all. Yeah. And you kind of don't do that anywhere else in your life. Right. You know? Even, like, even with like, imagine with like you're, you're with like your, your spouse or something or your girlfriend or a good friend. How many of us are on our phones going out to dinner all the time at home? Yeah. We can't help it. And then, you know, maybe we don't, but then they pick theirs up. So we pick ours up too. Cause we're like, yeah. well, all's fair. And then you don't, you don't, and also you're not looking at each other. Like we are looking at each other into our, each other's eyes right now. We're having a moment. And yeah. what happens when you create millions and millions more of those moments? That's really interesting to me. Yeah, that's a that's a bright future, man. Yeah, that's a bright future. All right, let's talk a little bit about you, though. So, <clears throat> are you a born and bred New Hampshire boy? Negative, sir. Negative. Where are you from? Virginia. From Virginia. Okay, and now you live in Nashville. Is that right? Yes. Now I live in New Hampshire. Yep. Okay, got it. Um, so, tell me about your previous role before you started um, uh, Ringmaster. Yeah. Yeah. What Cheshire Impact or just in general? Yeah. Let's talk about Cheshire Impact. I mean, like, why did you start a marketing automation company? And then why did well, you shut it down? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I've always, I've always been like a technical communicator. I love like the techie nerdy stuff, but I also mm -hmm. like translating it into the human, you know? And so right. I, I've always enjoyed marketing really played well into that because it's similar. It's like, we use the nerd tools, but use them to communicate more effectively to each other. Um, and so 
my computer science wanted to take me deeper and deeper into the computer to where eventually I was programming like processor gates in college. Sure. And I'm like, what am I doing? Where are the people? Super you yeah. <laughs> where did everyone go? Where, what have you done to me, school? So, um, so I always enjoyed the communication side as well. And, and that just, it, it played so well into marketing. And eventually there's one tool, Pardot, which is now owned by Salesforce. And I just, I enjoyed so much. And it turned a particular company I was at around, you know, and I think a lot of marketers and even oh, really? uh, fellow marketers in the, in the CMOX community and fellow fractional CMOs can relate to that, the idea of being looked at as the activity marketer, right? How many activities have you done today? How, what busy work have you done? And right. being able to use a tool like Pardot, I was able to switch from the activity mindset to the ROI mindset to be able to show, we invested this 5K, we got you 500K in sales. And then they're like, oh, oh, I see. Instead of being like, I'm taking half of that away. They're like, can you do that same thing with another 5K? And can I give you 10K? And will you still scale that for me? Here, how much money can I give you? By the way, all these other people, they're giving you their money too, right? So it's like, it right. really changed the game for me. And I, and I enjoyed that experience. And so I just wanted other people to experience what happens when you, you set up a little marketing automation and you start showing some ROI and then you stop getting shit on and you start being that, that almost that key player in the company who is the investor, the one that invests the, the capital of the company to really get a return, to get those qualified leads and sales can then close. So I just enjoyed all that. And, and so naturally just people started saying, you know, can you help me do that? So that's where, mm -hmm. that's where Cheshire Impact came around. Got it. And you named it after yourself. I like that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny on the naming thing. Yeah, I did. And, and I, I named it that when it was just me as a contractor, moonlighting sure. a bit. And you never think it's going to turn into a company with 30 people or, right. or anything like that. I, I your vision wasn't to grow that big and that just grew out of necessity. Yeah, it was what, just you very had, organic. Yeah. You had a service yeah. problem because you could just sell really well. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And partnership. We had a great partnership with Pardot. Um, they were just fantastic. And so, you know, we helped their people out tremendously. They recognized that. So they, they sent a lot of people our way, which oh, was just nice. a really cool um, mutual partnership. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you were on their list of like preferred vendors to use? Is that exactly, exactly? Yeah. So many agencies make a ton of money by doing that. They're number one on HubSpot, or you know, they're on smaller services, smaller tools, uh, even down to like WordPress plugins. Just having your agency be listed there, yeah, and you win all that business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's nothing quite as like a mutual partnership, not like a half partnership, but mutual, where you're sending them business. You're helping them grow theirs and yeah. helping you grow yours. It's not very easy to find that. I looked at all the other tools to try to see if I could create those relationships elsewhere, but I, I really couldn't. I, and so Pardot was the one, their culture meshed with ours the most, and that's how we were able to grow it. Did that change much once uh, they were acquired by Salesforce? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's just different company, bigger, um, different culture, just totally different. And Was it exact target? What's that? Was it exact? It's that target, but it was a flash, flash in the pants. Really, was Salesforce itself and their, their culture, um, uh, which has some pros to it, has some cons, um, but they're a big organization, and so yeah, and so they had their own culture that they they needed to grow at that next next level. You know, that they continue to grow beyond what it was when they acquired it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you you rode through that acquisition. When what was it? Was it exact target was acquired by Pardot, which was acquired by Salesforce? Was is that the route? Basically, but it's like exact target gobbled up Pardot fish. Oh, then uh, Salesforce gobbled up the exact target fish. There's like literally a meme of that. 
happening. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So they did that. And then that was back in 2013 around there. Yeah. Um, and it was just a wild ride since then. Yeah. And so you decided to, to lay that to rest and move over to the podcast. Um, yeah. I would assume that having an agency is a lot of people and, you know, some of the folks listening to this might be on the edge. They might be saying, oh, I want to be a fractional CMO um, because I know I can go in and I can go in three, five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month clients um, and really service them and, 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 and really support them. And there's not a lot of um, overhead. It's like, what, like a CRM? It's like an email account. It's a domain. It's like pretty right. basic, maybe an assistant uh, versus an agency, which is like the agency model in a lot of people's eyes is, um, mailbox money. You have a team that's doing all the work. So you went from a 30 person team, which is like serious. Like you guys had a building, right? Uh, no, we're all virtual. You were all virtual. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So you went from 30 people and then, and then you let that go. Um, what of, what part of like the agency model was sexy and something that you really enjoyed and what part of it was like, um, not what, which was like, yeah, something that you, you found out later on that you actually didn't want. Yeah, sure. I, it's the same answer really is the people. Um, the people are the amazing part of having an agency. And I think sometimes, you know, some of the, in the circles of the fractional CMOs, it's like, where are the people? And you get kind of lonely and you need some kind of community because you don't have the people. So one of the cool things about having an agency is that you have a family, you have a team, and if you're all in the right culture and the right mindset, it's like the coolest thing ever. I remember going on uh, team events and retreats with the Chesh family, um, uh, <laughs> Chesh fam. And we would just go on cruises or we'd go to Maine together and we'd oh, just fun. learn about each other and just experience our core values together. And that was just, I mean, that was cooler to me than, you know, any paycheck or any right. um, accolades or anything. It was just like you create, create the community that you lived in, right? That's yeah. a, that's special. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely special. And then the hard part is that as you grow, and especially as you get, you know, beyond 20 and 30, then it be, you have to start shifting. You either have to go bigger or get smaller, right? So you can't hang out in certain sizes. It's just not practical. You need certain leadership models. You need managers of managers, and it just becomes unwieldy. And then you start to realize that, uh, and you often hear this, right? Um, you may not be the right CEO for the company uh, as you get larger. Uh, sure. It depends on what your specialty is. Some people love certain sizes. I realized I love that scrappy, um, mm. small, growing, figuring out product market fit, that kind of thing. At yeah. some point, though, when it gets large enough, then it's, it's, a, it's different. And it's a different adventure. And some people right. like it. Some people don't. Uh, but I found I just preferred this sort of small scrappy game, you know, with a small team, that kind of thing. Right. And small can still mean very, very profitable, right? There's nothing limiting that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So moving like as the company grew, I would assume every five people that you added to that company to, to Cheshire Impact, um, kind of dramatically grew the responsibility of kind of all pieces and your standups, you know, you had to break them out at some point or they just went longer and your team meetings were longer and, it's just a, that's a lot in order just to do the thing you want to do. Yeah. Um, which is be the entrepreneur and solve bigger problems or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and then it also, you're, you're no longer at, when you get that, you're no longer even with your hands in the, the dirt of the farm, right? 
you're not even doing the part of that thing, which is what you like doing. It reminds me of that book, E-Myth, right? Where right. you're not the baker anymore. Now you're the entrepreneur. Now you're something else. And eventually you don't know the most about Pardot or the tool that you are the expert in. And it's, it's a weird transition um, to, to make. And you know, some people like it, some people don't. Um, but yeah, everything, everything changes and grows. And yeah, the responsibility is you know, tremendous too because you've got a huge payroll at that point. Massive. Yeah. It's all right. relative. I mean, it, people all pay more and people pay less, but uh, it becomes a unique challenge that you have to think about all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially you, you had the business through um, well, when did, when did you start it? Uh, like two, th 2009 or so, but really okay. 2013. So just after the housing crisis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, we've definitely had a hard times, um, uh, as an economy. So riding the economy of all that is, that's a, that's a stress that you alone bear. And sometimes the upside just simply isn't worth the, the time or the risk. And you've got a family, right? You've got kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I realized too is, um, especially if you founded something based on passion, you need to listen to that, right? So mm. I founded the whole thing based on a passion for marketing automation. Well, eventually you can only talk about it so much and then maybe it's not the thing anymore and you're not even in it anymore because you're running some company. Um, but then, you know, that three years ago when I, when I started that podcast, I, I rediscovered a passion or I, I discovered a, yeah. a passion, which was, man, I, I am totally happy learning from people on podcasts and, and doing some business development, making some connections that can learn, turn into business for the company. So it's not just frivolous, but man, what a cool thing for executives or CEOs or brands to do is just to have a podcast and have conversations. So I discovered a new passion and realized that I was literally burning uh, an opportunity candle that, that I needed to get out there and, and do more of the podcasting side. So that, yeah. that really inspired that transition was like, go where the passion is. And now I'm, I'm more attuned to say like, well, you know, at some point, maybe eight years from now, you know, I'm, I'm not so hip on, on podcasts. I'm talking your ear off about them. Maybe it's something else. Sure. Um, so I'm already mentally planning now, like if that transition does happen to listen more to it um, and maybe, you know, decide things sooner than later, around it, uh, just so I get out in front of it, but yeah, stay in that passion zone. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And, and I think what's, what, what rings true maybe for fractional CMOs listening is, you know, they can stay in the role of the fractional CMO, you know, they might shift to a different yes. company, you know, that yeah. company might grow too far that they're with, with a client cause they're too good at their job. Right. And they, they need to work their way out of that and hire a full-time CMO, but there's still that fractional CMO and they're like radically curious. People listening to this are like, man, I just like, I'm excited to learn. I'm hungry. You know, I want to do something with it. I want to make a lot of money, uh, yeah. make a lifestyle for my family. And like being a fractional CMO gives you the opportunity to get deep in with a client, deep and understand like the nuance of everything. And then at some point, yeah, it might get a little boring. You know, you might be a year, two, three years into it and say like, all right, let me move on. Or this niche isn't for me. I used to be in this niche and now I want to move over to the, this niche because it's sexy. I want to get into, you know, robots, AI, uh, machine learning, yeah. that kind of stuff. You know what? Uh, one of the discoveries that I found too is that same passion I had for people uh, still existed in the in the fractional CMO world. It's been one of the most rewarding things for me. And yes, you know, you get paid, <laughs> and it's great. But the, the ability to coach—I I enjoyed that even in my last company—to be able to coach a younger marketer into finding their strategic voice and mm. figuring out how to work this landscape of marketing. To be able to do that same thing with several people um, as a fractional CMO has, has 
been way more worth more than anything, right? And yeah. the pay, I would do it for free. Uh, totally. Yeah. And that's the fun of it, right? Like if you wake up every day saying like, I love marketing strategy. When I go to the bar and I like talk to somebody or I'm on a flight and like the person next to me, I strike up a conversation with, by the end of the flight, I have a whole business plan for them. It's like, if that's you, then getting in a role of authority to be able to do fractional CMO work is like probably going to scratch that itch in a, in a special way. And I, I want to touch on this just for a moment. Um, you have so much experience in the agency space. You have so much experience in the marketing automation. You've done kind of the things that a business owner should do, which is like write a book, hire people, like create great relationships. Um, you're a solid leader. I know that you're big in the EO community. Uh, why did you decide to take on fractional CMO clients? Also an accident. <laughs> and I'm so glad, I'm so glad I knew you, um, from my podcast because, um, we had a couple opportunities where we're, we're starting some podcasts for a few people and they shared, Hey, this, I know this is right. I know we want to do this, but we need more than that. We actually need help with the overall strategy and the marketing strategy of the company. Can you help us? And before I met you, I wouldn't have the words for that. Mm. I, I know how to sell a consulting agreement relating to marketing automation and, and creating your email campaigns. We've done that millions of times, but I didn't have the words to be able to say, yeah, that what you're looking for is a fractional CMO, right? It, it, you're not looking for a marketing consultant and it, it, we finally have the words for it, which is mm -hmm. a fractional CMO. You don't need a full-time person, but you do need that full-timer executing, but you need to be able to tell them what is best to do or what direction to go. Because oftentimes they're sometimes great people that just don't have a good outlook because man, they're the only marketer in the company. They feel isolated. They're getting shit upon because no one's protecting them. And they just need someone to come in, give them some direction, protect them a little bit, <laughs> take some of the heat off of them so they can get some stuff done and, and further marketing. And man, what a cool, what a cool experience. So it, it was very accidental for me. I was so glad I met you because I even, um, I didn't call you. I, I texted you or I messaged you. I'm like, dude, this is happening. I don't even know how much to charge. I don't know how much, like, I don't know anything. And so you were so helpful and with your program. And it was great because you were able to say, well, actually this. And right. and I remember you, you said you didn't get out of bed um, for less than some amount of money. And I was right. like, oh. I should probably charge more than because in my mind, I like, 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 listen, anyone listening to this, if you're going to do any fractional CMO work and you charge less than $3,000 a month, you're not doing fractional CMO work. You're doing something else. Something I, else. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe you're calling it email copywriting and like, um, maybe you're the marketing technician. What Casey just dropped there was a huge, huge nugget, which is do not work with clients that can't pay you your rate and don't have a full-time marketing person or the budget to hire someone. You right. need someone to delegate to. If you don't have someone to delegate to, who is going to do the work? It, it's going to be you. Right. So you identified these, like, uh, you had, like, kind of an opportunity fall in your lap from a podcast, yep. which is, like, so killer. Um, and then from that opportunity, you reached out to me and you were like, hey, I want to do something with this. You know, can you help? And I remember you were thinking about consulting. And the problem with consulting is, like, consulting has an end. And yep. consulting is a four-letter word. No one wants to hire a consultant no team has ever been like, oh my God, my boss just hired a consultant to come in and I'm so excited. Everyone says, yeah. some asshole's going to come in and try to tell me how to do my job. Right. The fractional CMO comes in like kind of underneath and pushes people up, right? Your, your job is not to take their job. It's to make them more effective. So you had that opportunity to come 
uh, on your lap, you then jumped into the CMOX accelerator and you got to, uh, you know, you grabbed, I think right away, we got you that, um, the whole sales process. So what is the yeah. proposal? What's the scope of work? How do you do it? And then what do you do in the first 30 days with the client? And it seemed like that helped you win the business. You, you won in the first like 30 days, you won over $10,000 a month in business, right? Yeah, several clients. And I will say it was kind of funny because uh, I'm I'm an okay student and you have a lot of great material. And whenever I did listen to you, it worked out well. Whenever I was like, yeah, I know he said that, but am I actually going to do that? Like, I don't know. Whenever I didn't do that, like I would, I would learn the hard way that there, like you had created that for a reason. Like, duh, yeah. of course you did. But, I, you know, like, oh, let's not do that program because I don't know sure. if I'm going to sell that or and then sure enough, like, oh, that's why, because now I'm in this problem. So it was kind of, it was funny to, to kind of re, reaffirm that you, you have some great stuff and some great resources behind there. Oh, real quick. I, I just had um, an opportunity where I've, I've now left a client and it's in the greatest capacity because that marketer that I coached and counseled for so long and grew, uh, was able to grow into my role. Oh, beautiful. Uh, and it's just the coolest thing. Uh, she's yeah. so capable, uh, brilliant, powerful marketer. Um, and she's going to crush it. Absolutely going to crush it. And were you uh, done with that too? Kind of at the same time? Or did you feel kind of done with that project too? Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, there's, there's more. There, there's always more. But, but I feel like she's ready for this next challenge. She doesn't yeah. feel like it, but she is. And, right. um, and yeah, I can't wait to see her, her crush it. The company still has things to, to tackle, but yeah. uh, I'm just excited to not only coach her, but see her take, you know, take over my role. Really. Oh man. I mean, two things there. So just on that point, um, you're, you just changed someone's life. Yeah. This woman that's in that role just got elevated to, you know, the director of marketing or the CMO role or whatever. Exactly. And, and she's, she's feeling more confident in her job. She got the support she needed. You felt great. Uh, you got paid. It was a fun problem, a fun nut to crack. And then you can move on. That creates all sorts of goodwill. Finding new business, if you want it, is not difficult when you right. create that kind of goodwill. Um, and uh, another piece is uh, the CMOX Accelerator was created uh, over the course of years. I've been doing this for years. I don't know, five years or so. And, you know, in the end, it's not terribly hard. You just can't do the stuff that doesn't work. Right? If you just do the stuff that works, being a fractional CMO is like relatively straightforward. It's just kind of getting caught up in the, hmm, I don't know. I'm going to guess what to do next. And if I'm wrong, it's going to set me back a few weeks or months, or I'm going to lose a client or I'm not going to win a sale. You know, what you just want is just a, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, certainly people want to learn the hard way. And for all of y'all, like, great. Um, I hope you're going to be successful over the next few years. And those that want to be successful faster, you know, obviously <laughs> shortcuts tend to work. All right, so Casey, we're coming to a close here. And um, I want to know, where can listeners get in touch with you? You've got your LinkedIn. And if they look you up, it's Casey Cheshire. Casey's spelled the most appropriate way possible. C-A-S-E-Y, Cheshire, C-H-E-S-H-I-R-E. Um, you're also on Twitter. Do you use Twitter much? Yeah, yeah, Casey Chesh. Okay, cool. Casey Chesh on Twitter. And then you've got your website, which is Ringmaster Live. And this is a really great website. Um, reach out to Casey and his team if you're interested in starting a podcast. Casey, just like qualify real quick. Who is a good fit? Who's a bad fit? Who do, who would your team be able to help and who wouldn't they be able to help? B2B companies in North America. Bring it. Um, what about fractional CMOs? People listening saying, ooh, I want to be the definitive number one fractional CMO in yeah. my space. Anyone who where you can build relationships, build networks, and then also potentially do business with those 
relationships. It's a perfect fit. Um, it's not cheap, but it for the if you if you're landing large deals or large partnerships or a future client, it absolutely pays for itself. Oh my gosh! I mean, when you consider for a fact that like one fractional CMO client, if you do it right, will last for many months or many years. A sale could be worth somewhere between thirty and three hundred thousand uh, dollars. What are you willing to pay to acquire that customer? Exactly, and you might have met them on a podcast and kept in touch, and then when they need you. They're reaching out and there's that 300K. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I can't say enough about podcasting and it feels really good doing it. You build some some lifelong friends. Like uh, I feel like we've created a friendship that uh, will last us beyond our episodes and everything. Yeah. We chat, you know, quite often. Had you not been traveling this weekend, I would have stopped by your house. I know. We almost you almost made that happen. Next almost time. did. Yeah, and, and on the podcast side, um, one of the biggest problems that, service-based businesses have, uh, and I think of the fractional CMO as kind of a service-based business, is that someone may want you, but it's just not now. Yeah. They may want to hire you, but it's not in the budget until Q1, and they want to talk to you in Q4 about it. Or maybe um, they're interested. Uh, I, uh, I've got a client, and they had someone in the marketing seat, and they had to wait for that person to retire. They were just kind of caught. You know, the new CEO was in there, and uh, they kind of had to like squeeze this person out and they had to leave on their own volition. And the moment they were out, we were in and we like rebuilt the whole team. So that's going to happen with some companies. You have no control over that as the marketer. You can't say, oh, I want the money. So you should hire me now. They're going to hire you when they're ready. And a podcast is a great way to stay in touch with them. And if you have a value add podcast, um, there's no algorithms that limit uh, the podcast getting to them. It's not like an email that might get caught in the spam filter. People have push notifications on their phone for podcasts. And it says, hey, Casey Stanton just released a new episode. It's amazing. Like, that's why everyone right now should just click the subscribe button so that they get those notifications so that I don't have to go through your inbox uh, and get filtered out. I think podcasting is huge. I think you're right. It, it provides a level of connection that um, doesn't exist anywhere else. It certainly doesn't exist on blog posts, you know? Right. Um, Email. Yeah, or email, right? There's like, there's like no passion in that. And, and you can really kind of feel the passion of people uh, in a podcast. So Casey, I'm super excited you were on. Um, really appreciate it, man. Thank you for opening my eyes to podcasts. Uh, I think everyone listening here should consider at a minimum getting on podcasts. Um, go get on other people's podcasts. Um, but if you really want to kind of control the market and control your destiny, having your own podcast is a killer way to do it. Uh, if you learn something today, if you laughed a little bit, um, if, you, uh, if you're walking away with a nugget, go tell someone about the podcast. Tell them to subscribe to the Fractional CMO Show. Uh, and you can also head, head over to the fractionalcmoshow.com for show notes and links. Um, maybe we can get a cool photo of Casey and his family from Halloween or something. Uh, <laughs> or maybe Casey hiking. Uh, you're a big hiker, right? Absolutely. What's the last whole other podcast? What? Yeah. What's the last big hike you did? What is the last big hike? Um, got a little small mountain this weekend. Just tiny little. Get the cobwebs off. You know, get ready for the winter. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, great. Um, thank you so much for jumping on today, Casey. Dude, it's been awesome. Such a pleasure, an honor. I can't wait to like and subscribe to this show and just listen to all the other people you interview. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, see ya.